0: Like I said, last week in the sermon series, more of the same. The idea behind this sermon series, if you have been here or if you haven't been here, was that we are creeping up on 10 years as a church altogether. So what that means is back in 2014, Pastor Corey, who was just up here, he planted Heights with Jeff, who was leading and playing guitar. And then in 2016, I planted a church, Collinsville Community. And then in 2020, we merged our churches together. And so collectively... 10 years this March as just doing ministry in Collinsville in the Metro East. And as we were planning everything out for 2024, we thought, okay, like, do we celebrate 10 years? Do we not celebrate 10 years? And the reality is like, God's been doing just the amazing work through the efforts of church planting for 10 years. So yeah, we're going to celebrate and just how that looks together. And then we're like, well, what does that mean though? Like what's next? What's for the next year? What's for the next 10 years then? Like we've done it for 10, what's the next 10 years? And we land on just more of the same. We don't wanna try to change anything. We don't wanna follow the latest church fad. We don't wanna get onto some kick of this ministry or that ministry because here's the thing, you can go to a conference and you can hear all this stuff, that this church is doing that and this church is doing this thing and we need to do this. We're not doing that. We're going to just stay faithful to the gospel and keep marching forward with who we are and who God has called us to be because we do believe that God has a plan for us. And so when we looked at the church of Antioch, it made sense for us to preach just through that short passage there at the end of chapter 11 and then these three verses at uh, chapter 13. And what we're going to see is that God has called them to do the very things that we feel God has called us to do. But yet it takes a gospel faithfulness. That's been the the theme for this whole series, just having a gospel faithfulness. And so our big idea today is this, is gospel faithfulness will lead to gospel effectiveness. If you stay faithful to the gospel for what God has called you to do and to being saved by the gospel, If you understand that, if God has redeemed you and he's brought you into his family because of the blood of Jesus Christ, and you stay faithful to that, there is no way that you will be ineffective in your ministry if you're faithful to the gospel. And so let's take a step back and see, how are they faithful to the gospel in Antioch? Well, what we see, there's three big things we kind of walked through over the past three weeks. And the first is this, is they were evangelizing people. And not just people who look like them. It's really easy to gravitate towards the people who look like you, talk like you, dress like you, have the same hobbies as you, same socioeconomic level as you. That all makes sense. Like you're comfortable with that because you know those people. That's that's your people. You can just kinda you know the language, you know you know the the context of how they live, you know what they're into. And yet what happens here is the people who ended up in Antioch because of persecution, they ended up scattered there because of the persecution by Paul or Saul. Was, his name changed if you, never mind. Well, if you know, you know. All right. And if not, we'll talk about it later. So he, he had persecuted. They end up in Antioch and they're there. No one was witnessing to anyone but Jews. And then all of a sudden there's these other people and they're like, no, we're going to witness to everyone. This is a super diverse city. Let's witness to everyone. And so they start doing so, and people start getting saved, and so then the church in Jerusalem is like, well, what's going on there in Antioch? Let's send Barnabas there. And so then you send Barnabas there, and he's there for a bit, and then he goes and he finds Paul, and he brings him back, and they start to do discipleship there, and just teaching them for a year, just pouring into these people. And so we have evangelism, we have discipleship, and then what happens, they're so just ingrained with the gospel, they're being faithful to the gospel, that what happens, happens is they're so countercultural now that they start getting a nickname called Christians because they look so much like the person who they're following. They're the first people, the first believers to be called Christians. And so what we're hoping for, what we want is we want to evangelize, we want to do discipleship and then we want to be countercultural. We should not look like the rest of our society and culture. We should look different than them because God has set us apart. And then what we see that they do next is a result of that gospel faithfulness. They're effective because of the gospel by sending out their resources. And I love how it says it in chapter 11. It says in chapter 11, verse 29, so the disciples determined everyone, everyone, according to his ability to send relief to the brothers living in Judea. There was a famine coming and so they had prayed and they determined that they should all give faithfully to that. According to their ability, not saying that everyone sacrificed the exact same dollar amount, but everyone made a sacrifice, an equal sacrifice. And so what we have is a generous church who's discipling one another and evangelizing those outside the church. That's who we want to be. And I mean, we are to a lot of points like we're not perfect by no means because there's no perfect church. Right. But we do a good job at sharing the gospel of people. Not just to share the gospel in a way of saying, hey, let me tell you about Jesus so you can become a Christian. But we also share the gospel with people when they're struggling with their marriage or singleness or their parenting. We are generous. Very generous. We had a goal of $40,000 for our end of year giving in December. And we blew that out of the water and ended up giving $62,000. So that that is everyone giving to their ability. Possibly, right? Maybe there's some of you, uh, you didn't give to your ability. And so I would challenge you, like give to your ability then. Not just so we can say that we gave more money, but because we want to be effective in the gospel. That's what we want to do. And so the reality, though, is these things aren't natural. Those aren't the natural response. Our natural response is not to gravitate towards people who don't look like us and to share the gospel. If we're honest, we get afraid at the idea of sharing the gospel because what if I get rejected? What if I mess it up? What if they get mad at me? What if it's enough that it ends that relationship I had with that person? And what we're doing then is we're banking all that on us, on ourselves, that we have to figure it out, that we have to be able to share the gospel. And yet the gospel is God's power to save, not David's or not yours. It's God's power to save. And so we really can't mess it up. If we're just faithful to the gospel, he will be effective. He'll be effective because it's his power to save. And so it's not natural for us to do that. It's also not natural for us to want to be discipled because if I'm discipling you or you're discipling me, you're pointing out where I'm failing. And no one likes that. No one wants to be told, hey, you need to step it up here or you're, you're really, you're, you're kind of laying in a little bit short here in this area. That's, that's part of discipleship. Discipleship's not always a pat on the back. Hey, buddy, you're doing great. No, discipleship's saying, hey, you're too harsh with your kids. You're too short with your wife. Hey, keep your eyes focused on things that you're supposed to be focused on. Don't be watching junk like that. Like that's, that's discipleship. No one, that's not natural that we want that kind of critique. And then to be generous, sacrificially generous, uh, that's not natural either because we wanna preserve ourselves. We wanna, we wanna make sure that we're covered. We wanna make sure that we're good. And so if this is not natural, then how do we do it? Well, gospel faithfulness, but it's not just because we like, decided we're going to grab a hold and white knuckle it, and we're going to just be so disciplined to the gospel that we'll make it. No, it's because of what Galatians 2.20 says. It says this. It'll be on the screens. You can just read along as I read it. It says, I have been crucified with Christ. This is Paul writing. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live but Christ who lives in me. In the life I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Like, take that in for a minute. The God who loved you and gave himself for you, that is who's now living in you. His spirit is living in you and is no longer you who lives, but him who lives in and through you. That's how we can evangelize. That's how we can disciple. That's how we can sacrificially give And then what we'll see is that's also how we can send people out because that's what we see in chapter 13. And so if it's no longer us who lives, it's no more seeking self-exaltation and self-preservation, but we're looking to exalt Jesus and to preserve and advance his church like because it's him living in us. And the church of Antioch was doing a great job at that. But like I said, they took it a step further and they started sending people off. The last three words on that, in that chapter, in that passage there, sent them off. That's what it says. It says in chapter chapter 13, verse 3, then after fasting and praying, they laid their hands on them and sent them off. So the result of everything they had been doing in chapter 11, and then this worshiping and fasting and praying, the result was that they sent people off. And that sounds so simple, right? Like, okay, cool, Barnabas and Paul, they went off. They did a a missionary journey, and Paul went all these different places. You can read about it all throughout Acts. But I want you to understand, like, they sent off their top two leaders. Like, remember, when the church started growing there, what happened? The church in Jerusalem, like the headquarters, said, Barnabas, go there and check out what's going on. He was there. He saw what was going on. He goes and he finds Paul, and he brings them back, and then it says that they taught them for a whole year. For a whole year, it says in chapter 11, for a whole year, they met with the church and taught a great many people, and in Antioch, the disciples were first called Christians. Now, they're getting sent off. I mean, that's a big deal, and these people that did this, they had open hands. You had this very diverse group of people in the church of Antioch because of the makeup of the city. And it says that there was teachers and prophets, Barnabas, Simeon, Lucius, Manan, Herod, who was a friend of Herod, the Tetrarch and Saul. Like these men were gathered together. And what I find is interesting, instead of like questioning anything, they were just open to it. But if we're, if we're honest, like in our, in our response, a lot of times that God's like, send off our friend. Because many of you have been in a, a missional community and you've multiplied. And we'll talk about more about that. But if you have open hands, you're like, that's great. God, we're just are thankful that you're doing this. We know there's gonna come like some struggles and trials with this. But if we're close-handed, and if they were close-handed, they'd have been like, well, if they leave, who's gonna teach us? If they leave, who's gonna encourage us? Because Barnabas is so encouraging. If they leave, who's gonna step up and fill their spot? That means more responsibility for me. Or we'll miss them. Well, if they leave, we'll miss them. Then what? That's my friend. I'm so close to them. I can't, I can't fathom the idea of them not being here with me. But here's what we have to have. We need open hands with God's people and God's resources. We have to have open hands. We can't be close-handed with it. See, we talk about wanting to multiply our missional communities and plant churches. But the problem is, is a lot of times we have closed hands with it. And sending is costly. When you send people out... It costs you something. If, even if it's just emotional like, equity, it, it's costing you something because you're sending people out. And here's the deal. God the Father knows what it's like to send. He understands it. We have a sending God who sent his son to die for our sins in our place. Trust me, he can relate to it. He doesn't see you sending out and say, hmm, I don't know what that's like. He can relate to it. He can understand it. And when we sing a song like Good Plans and we say that his rod and his staff comfort us, what we have to understand then is this, is when we send people out or when we even give of our resources, you have two responses. You can have open hands, you can have closed hands. Closed hands is being greedy with God's resources. Open hands is saying, your will be done. Your will be done to your glory. And when we're greedy with it, That's where the rod comes in. The rod is for discipline. He whacks us in the head and he says, hey, stop being selfish. But then the cool thing is he has a staff and he can pull you in and comfort you. And so often we want the staff, but we don't want the rod. We need both. Both are there for a reason. God uses them both to bring us in, disciple us, grow us into the likeness of his son. And so when sending is costly and it hurts and we start to be selfish about it, he might whack you in the head. But the cool thing is, is, he can pull you in with his staff and say, hey, I understand what it's like to send someone off. I understand what it feels like to lose someone you love. Even though Jesus, he rose Jesus back to life, he still experienced those emotions. All your emotions are God-given. He gets that. And we can't fully grasp the type of sending that he did. But we have to be willing to send people off. And it's gonna hurt. I'll give you a personal example. My missional community started during COVID. The, the missional community that my wife and I lead. We started it during COVID and it blew up as like restrictions of gathering kind of were lifted. It just blew up. We had more people in our house than our house could fit. And Mike and Katie Self, who had been with us since we planted Collinsville Community back in 2016. Heck, they were coming in 2015 with preview services. They were some of our closest friends. But they lived in Glen Carbon, and they were coming to a missional community in Collinsville. And the reality was, is God was calling them to lead a missional community. And so, I don't remember how long it took until they planted. They would, they would remember. But in time, or planted, started their MC, we multiplied out. And it hurt. Like, it genuinely hurt. because Not because like we were mad or upset, but someone who we saw weekly at our missional community which resulted in hanging out with them throughout the week then, we didn't see them as often. Literally, like two weeks ago, I was talking to my wife in the kitchen. We were cooking dinner. I was like, we don't have anything going this Friday. I should text Mike and Katie and see if they can get dinner. And so I did, like, hey, can you guys get dinner? And like, we've got until, like, we got to meet at six because we got basketball. I was like, so a night that we didn't have basketball, they, they had basketball. But we made sure, like, to get together because, like, we miss hanging out with one another. My point is, though, is like if you send out, it costs. Even if it's just, we didn't lose friends, but you know how it is. If you ain't with someone in and every day, in and out, like you're just gonna like not be as close as you once were. It's not because you don't care, you don't love those people. It just changes. But it's necessary because it's God's plan. Like we want to advance the kingdom. If we would have been selfish we'd be like, oh no, they can't leave, they can't go. And right now, our missional community on some days is big enough that it's like, dang, we probably need to multiply again. And then I look around the room, and I think, but I, they're my people. I don't want to lose them. And God's like, no, he's pulling my hand apart. They're my people, and I will send them where I want to send them. And it hurts. But it's not just multiplying. like It's anything. And God has a plan for all of us to follow. There is not a one of you sitting in this room who God has saved that he does not have a plan for your life. He has a, a plan that he has designed specifically for you to walk in. Like, that should encourage you. But then the problem is, is like, do we all know God's plan for our lives? And it's simple, but it's not. And it's our next point. It's gospel faithfulness in worship. We need to be faithful in our worship. And now verse 2, it says that they were worshiping and fasting and then... The Holy Spirit said to them, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. So often, though, when we hear worship, what comes to your mind? Probably what we just did, singing. We sang some songs. It is worship. It is an act of worship. Like, the Bible is very clear throughout the Bible that we should be singing songs and hymns and praises to our God. And yet, our whole part of worship is that we just say, this is it. This is is worship. Nothing else throughout the week. Prayer is worship, reading your Bible is worship. The way you live your life to others is an act of worship. We should be a living act of worship in everything we do. And you can say, whoa, I turn on Joy FM in my car and sing those songs. Yeah, half those songs are bad and shouldn't be on the radio either. But I mean, yeah, I got the gift of pushing people's buttons. I like to do that every once in a while. Um, I just wanted to get a laugh at you guys. You guys got too quiet. So does your life look like worship? Because if, if not, it's going to be hard to know God's plan for you. But then they even go a little bit further, they're fasting. Now, I've done fasting in my life at different times, never really for very long, just a day or so. And it's, not, I, 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 it's hard for me. I wrestled my whole life from the time I was a little kid into high school. And so every time I don't eat, it just reminds me of trying to cut weight. And I'm like, dang, I don't want to go back there. It's like, you know, I start to have flashbacks. It's horrible of the idea of not eating. And I love food. But the reality of it is, it's not the act of not eating that does anything special. It's the reality that you're denying your flesh. Your flesh desires food because without food, you will die. And yet God is saying, I am enough. You won't die. Just rely on me. Just turn to me. I've got you. He's not going to let you die because you did a fast. He's going to sustain you. He's going to be that bread of life for you. And so they were fasting and they were worshiping. The fasting was an act of worship. And it wasn't just a Sunday morning activity. It was them together seeking God's will for their lives and for their church every day. Because they wanted to be used to advance the kingdom. And so I ask you then, do you believe that God has a plan for you? Do you believe that God has a plan for this church? And then are you willing to worship, to pray, to fast possibly? Whatever it is that God's saying to do in order to know the plan that he has for you. And it's hard work. Like fasting and praying is hard work. It's not easy. But then also living out God's plan for your life is hard work. That ain't easy either. It's gonna come with a lot of trials and hardships because Satan wants to stop you from doing God's will. Whatever your plan, plan is that God has for your life, Satan wants to stop every single bit of it. He wants to see you not act out in anything that you're trying to do. He lies to you. He tells you that God doesn't have a plan for you. He tells you that your past is too messed up to be used for God. He tells you that your life right now is too messed up and that you shouldn't even try to do it. Hey, you're too far gone. He lies. He lies to us, and here's the reality of it. God created you. Satan didn't. Satan didn't create you. Satan didn't look at you when you were dead in your sins and say, I love them. I'm going to send my son to die for them. Hell doesn't have a plan for you, but God does. He stepped down into our reality, took on flesh, and died in our place, not just so we that's it, you're going to heaven, but so that we would live out a life that he has designed for us to his glory until he returns. Like, are we understanding, like, that's not going to just come easy, because it didn't come easy for him to purchase us either. He had to go to the cross. And so when he calls us into his plans, it's going to be hard. We got to stop Believing the ignorant lies of Satan and just trust that God, just as he set apart Paul and Barnabas, he has set you apart for good works. He has set me apart for good works. He has set us as a church apart for good works. He wants to use us. But many of us will never even pursue trying to discern what God's will is for our lives because we won't put in the time and the dedication that it comes to figuring out what is God's will for my life because it's difficult. It's like I have to actually stop doing what I wanna do, which is watching Netflix or you know scrolling on Facebook or Instagram or TikTok. I have to actually stop that and maybe spend time in his Word. I have to stop you know, just mindlessly for hours just scrolling and I have to pray. Yes, yes, you do. You need to. God, that is just Satan's way of distracting you. I'm not saying that Facebook's of the devil. I'm not like, you know, up here crazy like that. I'm just saying like, if you're just constantly in it, you don't think Satan's like, yeah, just keep looking at that. Don't get in your Bible. Because he doesn't want you to worship. And here's a problem. Some of you might think like, well, I, I don't know like what I'm supposed to be doing. Like, wouldn't it the pastors just tell me what to do? No, we can't. I cannot know Every one of you individually, that intimately, to say, this is exactly what God has called you to do. This is exactly what He wants you to how to serve in this church. This is exactly where you need to be. That's not possible, and not even with Corey and Jeff and lay elders. Like we cannot do that because we're not the Holy Spirit. But you have to be willing to be disciplined and dedicated and then have a desire to seek out God's will. These men, like, why do you think they were doing this while they were worshiping the Lord and fasting? The Holy Spirit said, set apart. He didn't say, hey, I need you to go fast and worship and then I'm going to tell you something. They were already doing it. While they were doing it, God spoke to them. And so then you have to think, do I have a desire to be used by God? Or are you content just doing what you do? Because there is zero reason to come to a church and to sit on the seat. And then just every week you come and you sit and you consume and you consume and you consume and you never give back. That doesn't make sense. God's not called anyone to do that. Now, you may be here and you may have landed from a different church in a messy season and had some real hurt happen. And what we will say to you as pastors, take some time and rest. Because your identity is not found in serving in kids. Your identity is not found in being on a worship team. Your identity is not found in being able to run sound. Your identity is in Christ. And we want you to be healthy and we want you to understand that God will use you in the right time. But not right this second. So rest. But if you're here and, you're, and you're, it's not just a time to rest and recoup, and you're just like, oh, I'm just not going to serve. I don't feel like it. That's, that's wrong. God didn't wire you to do that. He wired you to be used, to be in his plan. And, and here's the thing is God might not just be calling you to serve. He might be calling you to plant a church. He might be calling you to vocational ministry. He might be calling you to be a missionary. He might be calling you to be a missional community leader. He might be calling you to step onto a Sunday morning team or maybe to be an elder here at this church. Maybe God is calling you to do that. But do you have a desire then to put forth the dedication and discipline that it's gonna take to discover what his plan is for you? Because like I said, we can't come and find each and every one of you. There has been a few times in my life where I felt like God told me specifically about a person to go and say something to him. We were standing in Colorado I don't know, a year and a half ago. And I walked up to Tim Gray, who many of you know, who spent the past year with our church. I said, Tim, I don't know why I think this, but I think you're supposed to come spend time with us at Heights and and just like kind of like part-time. And he looked at me like I was crazy. And then like two months later, Corey felt the same like nudge of the Holy Spirit. And Corey said that to him. And what did Tim Gray do then? He spent a year with us. So yeah, there's times that God will lay on people's hearts. Hey, you need to go and you need to prophetically tell this person this. And that's great, but it's not all the time. There's work that has to be done from us to just to step up and say, you know what? I'm going to go and I'm going to seek out God's will through worship, through prayer, through fasting, possibly, whatever it is. And what we can't do is we can't just plead ignorance and be like, well, I just didn't know, so I just didn't do it. I don't think, that's a way of just like preserving yourself, protecting yourself, because it's going to be hard if you step out into God's will. And as you look at it, like through the rest of the book of Acts, it's obvious it's gonna be hard. Like Paul gets just just bombarded, right? Like he leaves from this point on, they send him out, what happens? He gets shipwrecked, he's snake bitten, he just he gets stoned almost to death, he's beaten, thrown in jail. Doesn't sound like it's a cakewalk for him. It was hard. It was hard. And there's times, like, it's going to be hard for you. And because I'm going to tell you, just being honest, like, there was times where I literally have thought, like, I'm, I'm not going to do this anymore. This is way too hard. I don't want to deal with anyone else's sin. I don't want to deal with any ignorant stuff. I don't want to deal with just all the stuff that comes with ministry. Like, that is not an uncommon thought for probably most pastors. Just, I doubt most people are willing to admit it. So, like, there's been times I thought, you know what, I, there's other jobs out there I could do. Probably pay better, maybe less stress, probably not. And every job has a stress, right? But then as I start to think about it, I think, no, that's dumb. You ain't gonna get me out of this that easy, Satan. You're gonna have to literally kill me to get me out of ministry. No, I'm not quitting because you made it hard through some stupid scheme of yours to kill, steal, and destroy. I'm gonna keep going because this is God's plan for me. Because every time I would think maybe I should get out of ministry, I stopped to think, well, what else would I do? And then I can, I'm, I'm like a dreamer. and My head's always like thinking of the next cool thing and I'm like, I could do this. And I'm like, yeah, that would be dumb. No, I wouldn't like that. Or oh, I could do this. I'd get bored with that. And I just go back to what God's called me to do. This is his plan for me. And there's times where I, I question him because there's a lack of worship. There's a lack of prayer. I would start to question that and I gotta, I gotta stop and I gotta no, no. I've gotta go back And I gotta worship the one who through his precious blood saved me and purchased me for him, for his glory. And I'm gonna just keep going. I'm gonna keep going, not because of me, but because of him. And so here's where we land with this. You have to ask yourself, do you wanna oppose God's plans for yourself in the church? Or do you wanna be in line with them? Because with God, you win. It's very clear, like with God, you win. He's already victorious. He's conquered death and sin. It's over. He will return one day. Do you want to be with him or do you want to just be like, meh, I don't know. I'll just kind of coast. And here's the thing. Your coasting may look like good things because you might be serving in this church. But I, I will ask you this. Are you serving in a way to avoid serving somewhere else? You know that you're really gifted with kids But the idea of serving with kids, you're like, I just don't know if I want to do that on Sundays because I deal with kids all week. Or maybe you're musical and you can sing your butt off or you can play the drums or you can play the guitar. I can do none of that stuff. I wish I could, but I can't. And you're like, I just, I don't know. The idea of being on stage and everyone looking at me, I don't know about all that. I don't think I'm going to pursue that. I'll just go serve on the parking team. And I'm not belittling serving on any of our teams because they're all needed. But if you're serving in a way to avoid serving somewhere else, that ain't cool. It's wrong. Like, you're just you're, you're self-preserving. You're looking to preserve yourself and to keep yourself safe so that you're not put out there in a hard way. And then you're, what you're doing is you're exalting yourself. You're not exalting Christ. We have to be willing to serve where God is calling us to go. And then you think, okay, well, like... That sounds great. there's all those teams. and then you need to be praying about where God would have you to serve. If you're part of this church, you should be on one of those teams serving. But then there's also other skills and giftings that you, you all have. And again, we don't know everyone's skills and giftings, but I want to let you know, like there's things that we need with tech. Like we've had people in here this week r- running wires for cameras. We don't even know what we're doing. Like we're just we, but I guarantee someone in this church knows all about how to hook up stuff to Cat Five cables. I couldn't do it; I'd burn the place down. It's low voltage. Okay, I'm glad some of you got that. My gosh, wake up! We need like we we do electrical work around here sometimes. Like we just moved in here a year ago. Stuff needs to happen. Like, and we're always doing different things. We need people who know how to write documents so that we can have, like, things like our stances on different theological topics written out in a very clean and detailed way. Like, you've got to know how to use commas and semicolons. I don't know how to do all that stuff. I'm just doing good to handwrite my sermons, you know, that I can read myself. You guys would look at it and think, that looks like some kind of craziness. It is. But I can track with it. But this wouldn't be good for a document for the church. Some of you are gifted and you could do that. You have an eye for detail and grammar and spelling and punctuation and all those things. Maybe you speak another language. Awesome, did you know that we have a, a Hispanic church planting resident in our church? Like maybe there's ways that you could be used to help with Mario Ramirez and his family. Like are you like open to that? Because we don't know all of your giftings. We don't know all of your skills and we want you on a Sunday morning team but are you letting God use you for all the ways that he can, or are you hoarding his resources and giftings that he's given you? Because we don't wanna be a church that hoards. We wanna have open hands. You're God's people. You're not mine, you're not Corey's, you're not Jeff's. You're not Heights people. You're God's people. And so we're praying still, always, that God will call up someone from within our church to go and to plant, that someone would be called to go and to be a missionary overseas, or to go and be in just vocational ministry. You don't have to plant the church to go into vocational ministry. You could just be in ministry. Like those are the things that we are praying for. And the reason why is not so that we can just say that we're ascending church, but it's because people are dying and going to hell. Everywhere in this world, there's people who do not know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, and they will die apart from him, and they will spend eternity in hell. And if anything, if anything should drive you to know God's plan for your life, it's that that you should not be okay with that, that you should not just be content with the idea that someone might go to hell. It might be your neighbor, but it might be someone else, that God is specifically designed for you to walk in a plan, and he will save them. And so here's what we're gonna do. I'll usually ask everyone to stand, but you're not gonna stand yet. Right now, if you're here, and you know that God is calling you to more, I wanna ask you to stand with me as the band starts to come back up. If you know that God is calling you to more than what you're doing right now, I'm gonna ask you to Stand. Maybe God's calling you just to lead an MC. Maybe God's calling you to be a missionary, to be a church planter, to be an elder. If right now you know that you don't know what it is, like you know that God could be calling you something, but you just don't know, but you wanna know, I'm gonna ask you to stand. If you wanna know what God's calling you to, I'm gonna ask you to stand. And then there's many of you in this room, you already know what God's calling you to. And you're, li- you're living it out. You're walking that out. I'm going to ask you to stand with us. You know, you, God has called you specifically something, and you're doing it. And for the rest of you that are here, like, I want to challenge you. Like, if you're not standing, why? Is it because I didn't maybe phrase it right, and that might be the possibility? Is it that you're, you're afraid of knowing what God's plan is for your life? That you don't think God has a plan for you? Maybe you're here today and you're not standing and, and it's because you don't know Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. If that's so, I want you to know that God loves you and he sees you in your lostness. He sees you in your sin and he loved you and sent his son to die for you. He has a plan for you. But you have to place your faith in him first and then just be faithful to the gospel. So now I'm gonna ask all of you to stand with us. Everyone stand And we're gonna take communion. If you're here today and you're a believer, if you've been purchased by the blood of Christ, you're born again, as we come and we take communion, we do this, the text says, until he comes again, until he returns in 1 Corinthians 11. And so my question for you is, as we do this in remembrance of what he's done for us, just take time then to like really just dig in and say, God, what do you have for me? What's your plan for my life? I want more than what you're using me for. Maybe you're doing great things, but just always maybe like it's like a checkup to see, is this where you really would have for me? Is this your plan for me? So I'm going to read to to you from 1 Corinthians 11. This is what Paul writes. He says, for I received from the Lord, but I also delivered to you that the Lord Jesus on the night when he was betrayed took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, also, he took the cup after supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. You do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So until he comes, let's make sure that we're living for him. And let's rejoice in all that he's done for us.